Amen. Well, I started a teaching series last week, which actually is based in the Old Testament book of Judges, and I called it Living in a Messed Up Land. Some of you thought it was a commentary on the United States of America in 2022, didn't you? Could be. Anyway, it's based upon the Old Testament book of Judges, and uh, we're going to get into that in, in just a moment. I was reflecting two or three weeks ago, I had my good friend Basil D'Souza from Mumbai, India, was here, and he preached for us. And uh, I was just reflecting the other day on the fact that I've known Basil now for over 20 years, and I've probably visited India between 15 and 20 times myself. I, I don't count, so I don't know. Well, I do count, but I don't count that. Um, but so I've no idea. So I remember Jill was with me on a trip we made a few years ago. And, and you know what? It's, it's kind of demanding. It's a long journey to get there. And then there's a 10-hour time difference that takes a while to readjust to. You're really busy while you're there. And that's a long journey home. And we were getting ready for the journey home. And uh, our flight was delayed out of Mumbai airport. It was meant to leave at 1 a.m., but it didn't. So we sat around for a couple more hours in the airport. Finally, we boarded. But then the pilot said, it's going to be at least another two hours because there's fog around us. So we sat there in the plane for another two hours until we, you know what it's like when you go away and you just want to be home, yeah. right? And we just sat there waiting. And now I'm doing a mental calculation because we were meant to fly from Mumbai to London, change planes in London and come to New York. We had a three hour wait in London, but our flight is now four hours late taking off. You do that math. So now I'm trying to work out what the heck happens the other end. What are we going to do now? What's going to happen? Thankfully, we got to London, and we immediately went to the desk, and they said, yeah, we knew, knew you were going to be late. We've booked you on a later flight now to New York. We arrived in New York just after midnight, our time. Indian time, we've been traveling 20-odd hours. We arrived in New York. It was February. We'd, been spe we'd spent 12 days in India in 90-odd degrees. When we arrived back at home that night with wind chill, it was three degrees. As we waited outside the terminal for our car to pick us up, we're absolutely frozen. Couldn't wait just to be home now and get in the door. We got to the house. We walked in the door. What's the first thing you wanted? I want a hot drink. We had no water. The water pipes had all frozen. It had been so bitterly cold. There was no water. Thankfully, there was a 7-Eleven pretty near our house. It is amazing if you've got to, you can take a full shower in a 16-ounce bottle of Poland Spring. Did you know that? <laughs> it takes skill. Yeah, we traveled forever, and getting there wasn't all that we were hoping it would be. Now, what's that got to do with anything? Well, that basically is where the children, the children of Israel were in the time of the book of Judges that we're looking at. They had spent 400 years as slaves in Egypt. God had miraculously freed them and was taking them towards the promised land, but it was 40 years between Egypt 
and getting into the promised land. And finally, when they got into the promised land, it was a mess. It wasn't all that they were looking forward to because when they got in there, there were all kinds of people who were already there, and their faith was different than the Israelites' faith, and, and, and they worshiped gods who were different from their gods, and life was incredibly messed up. And what happened over and over again through 400 years that's covered in the book of Judges is the people of Israel got sucked into godless living. Life got miserable. They asked God to deliver them. God sent them a leader called a judge, and things looked up. And then when things were really good, and, and everybody was happy with life, they started to kind of forget about God a bit, and everything went down again until they were so miserable. and said, God, please help us, and God raised up a deliverer. I entitled today, When People Forget God. When people forget, there is this recurring problem throughout the whole of the book of Judges, and it's relevant to you and I today, not as a history lesson, but because this, if we're not careful, can be a re recurring problem throughout our lives. Here's what it says in Judges 3, 7. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherahs, false gods. They served them. That doesn't just mean they prayed to them. It means they got into the ways that were advocated by the worshipers of these false gods. They forgot the Lord their God. That's the recurring problem. That phrase recurs in the book of Judges. They forgot the Lord their God. They're not forgot in the sense of, uh, hey, Jacob, do you know a guy called God? God? No, never heard of him. Nope. Hey, Joseph, you know anybody called God? Uh, no, there was a kid in high school. We all hated him. Oh, no, he was called Gad. Sorry, that was Gad, not God. All right, no. No, I don't know a God. Now, it, it wasn't like they forgot God in, in, in that kind of way, as if kind of they forgot that God exists. In, in, in fact, you know, they hadn't forgotten that, but they had stopped allowing God to guide them and be their influence. God was out there, but they stopped allowing God to be relevant to their daily lives. They were no longer controlled by what they knew. Fact is this, in America today, the majority of people, if you said you believe in God, they say yes. Then you get the clever ones who say, yes, but you've got to define God, because I, it's like, leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> but, but the majority of people, <laughs> I just haven't got the time, you know. It's, the majority of people would say they believe in God. You know what it says in the New Testament book of James? It says the devil believes in God, and he's scared of him. That's what it says. You know, so the devil believes in God. So it's no big deal to say, I believe in God. But the thing is this, does your belief in God impact the choices you make, the way you live this life? Is God actually relevant to the way you are living? And the, re the reason for the rise and fall of the faith of Israel throughout Judges was that truths that were once vibrant and real to them eventually became unreal and irrelevant. 
Did you, ever, did you ever buy a new car? I think I've only had a new car on two occasions in my life. But it's like, it's like each time I got my new car, both times, it was like, wow, this is something, right? And you've got it all. You've got the new car smell. Not the spray you can put in your car that's new car flavored. The, the real, you know, it's the real thing. This is new. And look at all the bells and whistles. And then about a year later, it's like you don't even think about it. You jump in your car and think, oh, okay, off we go. You're not even thinking about it. Because you know the old phrase, familiarity breeds contempt. It's like, I've got used to it. And the people of Israel just got used to God. And the danger for you and I is we can get used to God in our lives, and, 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 and really God becomes, in practical terms, less relevant to us. I, I, I read one commentator who said this. He said, our hearts are like a bucket of water on a very cold day. Unless we regularly smash the ice that is forming, they will freeze over. We need to regularly smash the… It's very easy to get so familiar with God, the wonder, the excitement of knowing God, the desire to please God just goes to one side. Very easy. You know what? That's one reason we need this experience on a Sunday morning. Go on, somebody say amen. amen. All right, that's, that doesn't count because you had to be prompted. <laughs> but, but really, but really, that's, that's, that's part of why we need this experience. It's like we stop everything and let's get focused on God. Amen. Right? That's, and that's, that's an important thing for us um, because without that, God can be just off to one side in our life. So every week on a regular, regular basis, every week, Rog, get real. No, every week. Every week. We've gone in a single generation from Sunday being a day of rest and of worship to Sunday being the day when we run around like lunatics and do every other thing. And so our time with God or our time as church together becomes something that's sidelined. And if we can fit it in, we do because we want to. But the truth is we need, we need every week for the ice that's forming to be broken and just to be blessed and thrilled again by the wonder of who God is and how we are in relationship to God. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says this, so don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given, contemplating your basic faith with good character. Sorry, complimenting. Let's do that. I'll read that from here because it's easier to read than that screen at the back. Complimenting your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverence, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, generous love, each dimension fitting into and de developing the others. Build on your faith. Don't let it just sit there. Then here's what it says next. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its rewards as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you. 
oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. So here's what Peter says to the people he's writing to, verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things. Solomon, a very wise man, said this in this book. He said, there's nothing new under the sun. But what I want to do every Sunday, every Sunday I want to always remind you of these things because we can lose sight of them, and we can forget them, and we can become so familiar that they're not really relevant in our lives all the time. There is the perpetual recurring problem, and it comes from the times of the judges. It comes right down to our lives in the 21st century. There is the danger for us that we forget the Lord. that God becomes sidelined. And when God becomes sidelined, something very serious takes place. Our faith, instead of being vibrant and real, becomes something that's lukewarm. And here's what it says in the book of Revelation when the Lord is speaking to a particular church. He says this. He says, I know you inside and out and find little to my liking. You're not cold. You're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. I didn't make that up. No, that's what, that's what the Lord said. He said, really, you know, you turn my stomach because you're, you're kind of nothing. You're not one thing or the other. And if we're not careful, we can get that way in our faith. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 24 and verse 12 when he said this, the overwhelming spread of evil will do them in. Nothing left of their love but a mound of ashes. Don't forget the Lord. Don't forget the Lord. Maybe this morning you need to allow God to smash the ice on the surface and say, God, I want to get back to a place where my relationship with you is real and vibrant and life-giving. There's the picture of how the people were. And then what we see next in this story is we see God's unending faithfulness. This is beautiful. Like, we mess up over and over again, right? And Thank you. You meant to tell the truth in church, right? That's, but that's what we do. We mess up over and over again. But the truth is, God's faithfulness is unending. Now, that's amazing. We think He should have given up on us. Some of you may have the thought today that God has given up on you, but He doesn't. He won't. He never could. God's faithfulness is unending. I sometimes reflect on things. You, you know those things that your mother used to say? And some of you know you find yourself, hey, I turned into my mother, right? Wipe that smile off your face or I'll wipe it off for you. Remember that? Now, I don't know if this happens nowadays, but in my day, it was, it was simple. Four words, elbows off the table. Elbows off the table. No elbows on the table when you're eating dinner. None whatever. And that was it. Simple four-word command barked at you. Elbows off the table. And we all sat up to attention, every one of us. Stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> That's logical. 
If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. And I used to say, no, you didn't, you're exaggerating. I didn't dare say it out loud, I thought it, you know. And then there's, then there's this line, and this is relevant to where we are in Judges 3, where, 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 where you, you, your mother says, it was always my mother, I don't, it might not have been with you, it might have been your father, but it was always my mother. My mother said, she'd say, okay, go ahead, learn the hard way. Some of you remember something along those lines? Go ahead, learn the hard way, because your, your parent or parents have told you time and again, don't do that, that won't work, the outcome from that will be good, but you're so determined because let's face it, when you're 10 years old, you know everything, right? And so you're gonna go, and so in the end is okay, do it your way, learn the hard way. Now here's the thing, very clearly in the Bible, God presents himself as our Father. And I'm going to say this, there are some times when God steps back from our lives. And God says, okay, do it your way. Do it your way. I've, I've had people sometimes going through really difficult situations in life, and they'll say to me, why did God let that happen? And what I want to say is, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. This has nothing to do with God. You screwed up royally, right? No, I said that's what I want to say, okay? Just in case some of you are doubting my levels of compassion. No, it is, it's like, why, no, 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 no. Some of the things that happen in our lives, let's face it, we bring on ourselves. And the older we get, the more we realize how many stupid decisions we've made in the past, right? I, and that's fine, it doesn't make us bad people, but we all have. And sometimes God has taken a step back. And that's what happened with Israel in Judges chapter three. God took a step back. Judges 3.8, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord their God. They served the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. Then the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to King Cushan Rishathaim of Armanaharim. I can say Cushan Rishathaim. In fact, I'm going to try the rest of this teaching to say it as many times as I can, because I'm proud I can say Cushan Rishathaim, all right? You think sermon preparation's easy? The Israelites served Cushan Rishathaim for eight years. All right, now let's face it, that's a weird name. But the meaning of it is this. It means Cushan of double wickedness. He was a nasty piece of work. And he was the king of what was known then as Mesopotamia, which was a huge area that covered what we know today as Iraq, Kuwait, Turkey, Syria. And basically, he dominated the Israelites and they made them pay huge taxes to them so that basically they were slaving away, working their land and with their animals, and most of the good they got from it, they had to give to him. They wanted to go a different way, and God at one point apparently said, okay, okay. And sometimes that's what happens. And please don't misunderstand me, but I'm going to ask you the question, could it be, could it be 
that if life is complicated for you just now, that actually God's taken a step back, said, okay, do it your way. And maybe the solution for you is to say what the Israelites said. And they said to God, will you come back? And will you help us? You see, here's what it says in Proverbs 13, verse 15. It says, good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. If you know God's ways and you're not living God's ways, it's not going to be easy. The way of the unfaithful is hard. God, let them get on with it. That's the bottom line. Now, you might say, if you were remembering, I said I was talking about God's unending faithfulness. And you may say, well, where's the unending faithfulness of God in that? And I'll show you where it is. Judges 3, verse 9. The people of Israel cried out to God, and God raised up a Savior who rescued them, Caleb's nephew, Othniel. Here's God's unending faithfulness when they realized what a mess they were in. They cried out to God. And when they cried out to God, God did not say, serves you right. When they cried out to God, God raised up a Savior who rescued them. And the whole reason this is significant for you and I, the reason the Old Testament is relevant in today's age is this, very simply, God hasn't changed. God's exactly the same. And these stories that from back then just show us God as He really is. And I want to remind you all today, God is faithful. And it doesn't matter where you're at, and it doesn't matter where you might have been, and it doesn't matter how royally you may have messed up. It doesn't matter what hardship you may have brought upon yourself or those around you. I'm going to tell you this. When you call upon God, God will answer. God will answer because God is faithful. God is faithful. Psalm 91 and verse 15 says this. God says, call me and I'll answer. Be at your side in bad times. I'll rescue you, then throw you a party. I, will you get the gist of that? It's like God says, you know what? I'm here. I'm available to you. You can call me anytime. And, and even if it's bad times, I'm going to be at your side and I'm going to rescue you and I'm going to throw you a party. How about that? It's kind of like the prodigal son in Luke 15 going home after really just making a mess of his whole life, uh, wasting his inheritance, going back home to his father and thinking, maybe he'll let me be a servant in his household. And he comes back and he welcomes him like a long lost son. And he says, we're going to throw you a party. That's what God does. That's what we're going to do two weeks from today. You know what baptisms are? It's a party. It's a celebration that people are anchored in faith in Jesus now, and some were looking and longing for, for, for so long, and it's a celebration of new life, of transformation, of the fact that when you call to God, God answers you. And I just want to remind you all this Sunday morning, if you call on God today, 
God will answer you. God will answer you. God raised up a deliverer by the name of Othniel. And then in, in, in verse 9, it says this, the Spirit of God came on him, on Othniel, and he rallied Israel. He went out to war, and God gave him Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram Naharaim. Othniel, that's the last time I'm saying it, Othniel <laughs> made short work of him. The secret of our strength is the secret of Othniel's strength, the Spirit of God came on him. The Spirit of God came on him. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. It says, Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. Then he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit he said. Receive the… Now, I'm going to tell you this, and some of you may think it disqualifies me from pastoring, but feel free. You're not the first. I don't fully understand the whole Trinity thing. My mind can't get itself around it fully. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are three separate personalities, yet they are all one. I, I can't fully get my head around that, but I don't need to because if I try to understand God, I'll fry my brain. And you will too. There are a lot of things in the Bible I can't fully understand. I choose to believe them. That's not blind faith. That's being smart. It's saying, no, I can't grasp everything about God, but that's okay for now. I don't fully understand God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But I do know that when Jesus was going back to the Father, He said to His followers, I'm going to send My Spirit, and He will be with you always. And I know through the book of Judges, every time the people needed a deliverer, it says this. It says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon whoever it was. In this case, it says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Othniel. And you know what? I think the thing that will keep us strong is if we pray a simple prayer on a regular basis that says, God, I need you and your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me. A whispered prayer at the start of the day, Holy Spirit, help and guide me. Holy Spirit, strengthen me. A whispered prayer as you go into a challenging situation or a meeting that you've been dreading, Holy Spirit, please help me. Our reliance on God. You know what that is? That's God being relevant. You know the danger for Israel and the danger for you and me is we believe in God, but we forget God, and we don't let Him be relevant to our lives. But with God as a part of our life, we can do what Israel did. They lived in blessing and in victory as long as they trusted the Lord. Let's just pray together for a moment as we draw to a close. And as we pray, I just want to throw this out to some of you.